Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. The one that has a beautiful plan to sustain our spiritual walk in this life. What a tremendous blessing. So I'm glad to see the visitors here. Glad to see everybody in the back. I wish I could see your face a lot better, but I'm glad that hopefully you can hear me in spite of that. So this morning, we'd like to look at something that God has planned from the very beginning. It's just amazing how God has planned things um, so well in our life. So I'd like to look at uh, the church a little bit. Acts 2, verse 38. Now, I know people say, you know, this is the beginning of the church, and this is just, uh, I think this is a good model of what God wants to happen today. And so we're going to look at that area to start how special the church is. And it, thank God we can be part of that. What a privilege it, we as Christians can be part of the body of Christ. There's Acts 2, starting in verse 38, and uh, and this is part of Peter's sermon there at Pentecost, and it said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and for the and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many <clears throat> of the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation, meaning perverse generation. Then, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I jump down to verse 46. Then, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, we know this is a beautiful story. And, we, and you know, we read this and we just kind of like, well, that was nice that that could happen 2,000 years ago. But I'm so glad that this happens can happen today. That's a real blessing. Because the church is to steal this model is perfectly what God wants to happen today. The church it is is has and where people that repent and are born again can come to worship. That's the body they join. They join a group of believers that are born again. They 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 are tired of their sinful ways and they repent. It's repent. Every believer had to repent. Become a Christian. Everyone to remain a Christian gets to repent. We get to. Isn't it wonderful that, that we get our sins beneath the blood of Jesus? They don't have to be outstanding like the nail. It might be a hole, but the nail don't have to be there, right? And that's beautiful. That's what that's the plan he has. And so this body is a body of believers that are born again so they have common ground because they've come to Jesus and they're sick and tired of their sinful ways. They want to, they get to be forgiven of God of Jesus by through Jesus and, and they're following they want to be faithful to him. They want to follow him faithfully. They want to be holy so you know what? That that brings closeness. You read that here. Oh, you know well I, I don't want to miss one other point there. Then they receive the Holy Spirit. That is so critical. Uh, that we be holy, spirit-led people. 
church is for repenting people that are Holy Spirit led. And then that brings a lot of camaraderie and togetherness. And it's interesting to see how they gladly receive the word. They're in the word. They love the word. And uh, and they love the doctrine. They love biblical doctrine. They love that. In fact, that was the basis for the fellowship. And I'm sure you've noticed that fellowship, in quotes, is not the same with people that aren't Christian. You know, people that are. If you notice that, it's just a lot of difference. If you're not a Christian, there's a certain realm that you just don't have the depth of talk and fellowship because we're not believers. And uh, it makes a difference here. You said, you know, they, they, have, they love the Word of God. They have fellowship. They love sitting around the table and fellowshipping one to another. And, and, and they were prayer warriors. And you know what? When that happened, when that happened, when God designed that to happen, then you know what? It, it, it brings a real witness of God's working in the lives of people. And then these people, when they loved the Lord, then they wanted to be part of that group. They didn't want to be aloof from that group. They, they were willing to be added to that number. And, and they loved the unity that it brought. You know, it's kind of like, uh, kind of amazing how church works. You know, uh, I like, I enjoy listening to good singing. And, and man, I tell you, four-part harmony is gorgeous to listen to. And it's something else. You know, this part, they all blend together, and it just sounds lovely. And I described it, it's just wonderful. But now, you know, if, if Kenner outstanding, just totally tooted his horn and got way out of it, you know, I said, it don't sound too good. And especially if somebody was off-key, it wouldn't sound good. Now, I don't have much of an ear, but I have, and I can't have saying, but I can tell when somebody's off-key sometimes, and sometimes I hear it in, I think it's getting pretty close home, and uh, I mean, that don't sound good, you know, and, but here, uh, that's amazing, so church, you know, everybody comes from different backgrounds. Generally, unless it's the same family, they come to, and you know something how they work together is harmony. Talking about beautiful harmony. That that's what God intends. That's the specialness of the church. You know, it's just beautiful harmony. So the title of the message is God's Church, where I belong. And I think it's what God intends for every Christian. God's Church, where I belong. And I like that idea of belong because I want to be there. And I long to be there, okay? And so I'm going to just, where I long to be, I love it, I want to be there, and I long to be there. And, and so I tell you, this this message is not in a way exhorting at all. It, it's just to to let to remind us and where to of the blessings we have in church, in what we call church, the church body, and. Uh, and then also with blessings, there's also responsibilities, okay? To maintain uh, a good church, there has to be some responsibilities. And uh, they'll be kind of mixed in here. So uh, I want to look at the, some of the blessings of the church is it identifies a person as humble, a humble believer and shows the desire to identify with other believers. And that's beautiful. Because I know people say, oh, you know, I don't need the church. I don't want to join the church. But you know what? Then they're kind of on their own. I've had people come to me and say, Claire, uh, you know, I can't be a member. I don't want to be a member, but I want you to treat me like one. I said, how do you do that? You know, it's kind of challenging. You know, it's just challenging. 
you know, because when you commit to a church body, you're saying, you're saying, I am humble enough, I want to identify with this group, and I'm going to blend in, because I'm going to bring harmony. I'm going to add to the harmony. And that's beautiful we can be that way. And we're saying, it don't have to go my way, it's going to go our way, okay? The Holy Spirit is leading in this body. We're wanting to do what's right. And we're humble enough to say, I'm going to work along with this body. So it's a tremendous privilege we have, tremendous privilege we have to be members in the body of Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And there's a couple of things that, uh, that are noteworthy there. You're no longer a stranger and foreigner. You know, it's interesting to note we, we are to be strangers and pilgrims because we are separate unto God. Like our brother brought out there, it's more leading brought out in uh, our Sunday school. But here it comes to the opposite side that before we accepted Jesus and before we followed him, we were strangers and foreigners from God. And I thank God when we repent and we come to him and we come to Jesus for re- for uh, forgiveness and come to Jesus for direction, come to him for inspiration. We are no more strangers and foreigners. That's beautiful. God, that's what he wants to be, to be have a relationship with him. Then we're fellow citizens with the saints. Oh, so we're, we're together, and we're members of the household of God. Now, um, Eastern people that live over in Israel, they they, they practice a little different. That out, uh, they they know what household means. Your our house is household. Yours is too. But numerous times it is not unusual for them. Now, when so and so gets married, or uh, they just build a little wing on their house or another floor. And we went by there and said, and, and our pastor said, uh, you yeah, know. Well, that's the house where I live. Dad's in the bottom. I'm on about the third floor. And it just when I don't know how many floors he was going up, but it just you know they just had floors and they knew what household meant. They were compatible. They wanted to be together. That's amazing. Households, guys. You know, and I think God gives us that desire to work along and be along, fellow citizens, one another. Know what it says in Ephesians four twenty five. Therefore, putting away lying, that each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Because we are members one of another. We're not here doing my own thing uh, or wanting to do it just my way. We are members one of another. There's a care here and there's a love that is outstanding because we're a brotherhood. We want to work together. The next thing it closely relates to it is... It provides a spiritual family to support and encourage us in our walk with Jesus. In other words, in 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. I've been around some people, and they're mighty, mighty glad to say, I'm a Mark. I'm a Showalter. Now, I'm not saying you're doing this. Uh, I'm a good, you know, and... Uh, I'm a shank. I'm a rose. I won't name you all, but I'm just getting you know, one name short. I name a few of you. And uh, you know, they're pretty sick with that. You can tell there's some kind of little, I'm not sure if it's called pride. They wouldn't quite call it that, but it feels like that. 
And uh, I've already people do that with people, by the way. I'm just confessing. I uh, acknowledge it. I don't feel that way myself. I see so many problems that people was. But anyhow, I won't go into that. Uh, this is a family, the children of God. I wonder if we as Christians would be, and I don't, I know this word has a bad context, but proud to be a child of God. That. And maybe we'll just put aside our earthly labels and be proud to be a child of God, friends. I tell you, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. What would that do for our witness? You know, we're in ah, we do this. I mean, or I can do this, and I can do this, and we do this. No, I am glad to be, I am, I am elated. I am privileged to be a child of God. What a tremendous blessing that would be. It brings identity. Everybody needs identity. Nobody likes it. I'm a, I'm a nobody. Friends, I tell you, when we're a child of God, you have identity. And that's tremendous. That's important for us. And in self-esteem, I tell you, the other idea, I mean, it gives you some worth, okay? Being a child of God gives you value. And it's one you can be tickled or, or, or glad to be part of. So you're not lonely. In this family, you're not lonely, okay? I talked about other things. You're not lonely. Now, you might act like you might get the feeling you're lonely. That's just a feeling from the devil. You're not lonely when you're a child of God because all everybody else is a, child, a believer is your brother and sister, okay? You're not lonely. Isn't that amazing? God never wants us to be lonely, and it gives us a diligence. This is my family. This is my family. I'm telling you, that, that's wonderful. I tell you, you belong. It's just wonderful. Revelation 6, 1 and 2 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in trespass, you which are a spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, we're a spiritual family, and a good family always cares about one another. They all do. And so, you know, it's so nice to know that, uh, and this means this burden, bear one another's burdens means an overload. We all have a load to bear, and uh, but this means overload. And, you know, that happens. That happens at times. We get overloaded. And uh, But he said, you know, in this church, they in this body, they care about one another. They're trying to find out, and they want to relieve. They want to help out. They take meals. Uh, they walk beside, they buy, they get, they go there and assist, however, and they pray. They care spiritually. Sometimes we get overloaded spiritually. I said a lot of times our physical overload is the least important of things. And sometimes I think maybe we specialize plenty on that to relieve us of other responsibilities. When the fact is, we get overloaded sometimes spiritually. And we need our brother's prayers. We need our sister's prayers. See, this body, they do that. They're a spiritual family, and they care. What a tremendous blessing that is. Hebrews 10, I'd like to tell you in verse 21, Hebrews 10, 21, 25. I'll start 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and four assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled 
from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful to promise. And let us consider one another to provoke, and I like the New King James way better, uh, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Isn't that beautiful? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And he said, look, I tell you, these people, they have their hearts clean, their conscience are pure, they're living righteously before God, they've been baptized, they want to be part of the body of Christ, or they consider that, and I tell you, they're going to do whatever they can to stand fast and be faithful to God, and you know how they do that? Just, they, they love to worship. They love collective worship. They just love it, and y'all do good at that. I mean, on Sunday morning, in Sunday evening, and whenever that may happen, Wednesday evening, whenever it may happen, they're there. They, they, they're there. They don't want to forsake, and they want to stir up one another to love and good works. They care about the body. They're there, and they exhort. There it says there, but exhort one another. And so they care about one another. They care about the spiritual lives. Exhortation wouldn't be physical things. It would be definitely spiritual. They, they care about one another. I read one time that one another or each other is used about 50 times in the New Testament. That's a good bit. We're commanded to love each other. We're commanded to pray for each other. Listen to this. We are to encourage each other. We're to admonish each other. We're to greet each other. We're to serve each other. We're to teach each other. We're to accept, I just didn't know it's black and white, I'm not sure about the person, accept each other, but it's all implied. We're to honor each other. We're to bear each other's burdens. We're to forgive each other. We're to submit to each other. And we're to be devoted to each other. Wow. That's just a good start. That wasn't 50, was it? You know, I have to think about that. Wasn't that, didn't that a church? God church where I belong. God church where I want that to work out in my life to others. What a lovely church that is. Yes. They want another each other. And it really is a broad, uh, a broad opportunity and a broad thing to do. Okay, another thing is it gives them a place to use and to grow and their gifts that God has given them and to be of service to others. Uh, I'd like to read now a few verses from Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, verse 11, where it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. There it is right there, very plainly. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things which is the head even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, 
according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, make it increase of the body into the edifying of itself, the church, in love. Now, that, that is totally loaded. In fact, it's so loaded, I've heard a whole sermon on this passage, okay? We're trying to keep it to a little, little part. But, it, okay, God has given everybody gifts. And I know I, I, we hear church, one talent have I to take to the sky. Well, more than likely, you have way more than one talent. If you do, you well, uh, just that's more than likely. I think most of y'all have meant multiple talents. And yet, he said, no, them gifts that you have, that God has given you, that is never, ever intended to bring me glory, personal glory. It is to build up solely your, our gifts and our talents is to build up. Christ in the body, in his body. That's what it's for. And what's tremendous blessing that we can be to work in a body and to be helpful and to be encouraging, to be strengthening, and whatever your talent uh, is, that, that it's meant to be in a body in a larger group to because to, it exonerates Jesus when you do that. You know, it's not me, it's we. And so it builds up uh, the church. And so they're even just speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in him. You know, we want to be mature in him. That's a, I think that's a lifelong pilgrimage. I get the feeling that's what it is. And he said, look, if you keep, you keep using, keep using your gift. Uh, keep nurturing it. Uh, you know, just kind of like, well, the more you do any exercise, the better you get at it, and that's pain against, okay? Uh, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to keep using it so we grow up, and then we can be, we speak the truth, we're loving to each other, and everything we do is to help the Jesus to be glorified in the body, in the larger body. What a tremendous blessing. Now, it also talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11 and 14, which I will not read. It talks about gifts there that the Spirit gives. But the main thing is, I think we need to remember, be available. Be available. You know, people have gifts, and uh, this has been a struggle with me in my day, trying to get over some of these struggles, but sometimes it lasts a while. And they ask you to do something, man, I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's going to take work. <laughs> Whatever you call work, you know. But I, for us to grow and to bless the kingdom, we have to be available, Okay. And, I, and I've heard it said, you know, if they ask you to be a teacher, you don't think you're a teacher, just try it. You know, if you do bad enough, I mean, if you <laughs> but if you stumble enough, whatever you want to say, you know, you probably won't be asked a multitude of times. And that's the way it works. You like to, we like to grow. I've been amazed. And I like to apologize. I tell people, I can't do that. And uh, I, read, or I think it's one of us, I don't want to do that. And... Uh, and then they do, and they do a wonderful job. Yeah. And the more they did it, they did so, they did gorgeous. They did be available and be committed. Or what you're asked to do it, put time, put effort, discipline yourself to do it, and be committed because God wants to cultivate your gift in your life, and he wants it worked out in the church. And it's a tremendous, tremendous opportunity that we have to, to do that. Also, I'd like to remind us that you have an important part to do in the church. There is nobody in the church that God would expect to be a slacker or on vacation, okay? You know, you have an important part to do. Uh, there, 
there is uh, being a well-rounded church. Every person is important. You're a valuable member. You're a valuable Christian, and God cares that we utilize our gifts for his name's honor and glory. Now, another thing is it places uh, us under the spiritual protection and direction of godly leaders. And that is spoken of in Hebrews 13, 17, and 18. It says, obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those that must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. So I want to bring out here, Leaders, watch for your souls. They care with what's happening in your life. And, you know, it's amazing how things change. Um, you know, when you're a parent, before you're a parent, you know, you, sometimes we feel like we know a good bit. And then when we become a parent, we find out uh, that we have a lot to learn, actually. And uh, it seems like the more you do it, the more you know that you have a lot, a real lot to learn. But, you know, the mentality toward children changes. Because your your responsibilities change. Well, I can tell you that can, that happens with leadership too. That you know you a good Christian always cares what's going on. They they should always care. But you know when as a leader when you see things in and you know you're going to give account and you care for their souls, they're you know you're they're you're their servant and and you care to. It's just a different level. You really care really what's going on, and they watch for your soul. So that's a blessing of church. You know, when uh, I feel sorry for those that, that just do church or just live on their own, and they don't have uh, church leaders helping out. It gives another voice. It gives another sense into your life that we need. Paul showed this, and uh, he spoke very well. I'd like to read a few verses in Acts. 20, verse 27, Acts 20, verse 27, 32, and he said the, the mentality that us leaders have and need to have, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed thereunto unto yourselves and to all the flock, he was talking to those vision leaders there, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. For, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you day and night with tears. And now, brother, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. And so here, Paul was saying, I'm a leader, and you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I need it to tell you everything that God laid on my heart. Now, I don't know if you'd want to risk that for some leaders, but that's what good leaders do. Now, it, it, it's a tremendous blessing because you may care now. I know that we don't like, I've heard that, that before that leaders sometimes have hobby horses. You think that's possible, baby? I think it is. But, you know, I wonder what Paul's hobby horse was. Listen to what he did to them. 
Therefore, that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. Three years he rode the hobby horse. Here's what a variety of things. I'll tell you, I've come to point, and, and I... We all got to listen to other leaders, leaders, okay? But when a when a man of God gets up with a burden, the church should listen closely. That's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, friends, we're in a day and age that, you know, we don't always see things first. I like to think maybe I, I should, but I don't. You, I need your input. Because you know, sometimes we get hooked. Putting wings, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but we something happens underneath our careful watch, and it happens, and, and you know, we want to learn to that, so we work together. But sometimes the leaders see things too, because Paul said, You know, I can tell you down the road things are going to happen that shouldn't be happening. You know what? It might be where we're at now. Maybe that's where we're at now. It behooves us to appreciate leaders that warn. That's part of the blessing of being part of the body of Christ. That's one of the blessings. What a tremendous blessing that they've had leaders that care. You know what? Your leaders care, too. Your leaders care, too. And they're not trying to ride a hobby horse. Friends, it sounds like it's been too much. It's probably because things aren't changing when they would like. You can thank God for warnings. You can thank God. We live in a lax climate nowadays. Not saying you, but large it is. And we need to be encouraged. No wonder Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 12 and 13, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I love that verse. I mean, the end of it. Be at peace. We all want peace. We need peace. But he said, for us to have peace, there is different responsibility. And people are called to different level of responsibility. And we've got to respect the different responsibilities. We've got to give listening ear to ones that are supposed to be overseers, or actually they're underservant. And they're going to admonish you. He said, esteem them. And you know, if, you, if we do that, if we respect each other the way we should, and we listen and work together the way we should, guess what? Peace. There'll be peace in this body. Only peace that comes. Because they follow God's plan for the church. And that's a tremendous blessing. Also, another blessing of being uh, a part of the body is it gives us it gives us love and security and accountability that we need to grow. And I'll start out uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those that are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient to all men. Thank God for that. Don't you thank God for that? Be patient. We'd be patient with you. He's been real patient with me. And that's the way we want to be. But it didn't say, it didn't take away the need to warn and to comfort the people hearted, to hold the weak. Oh, this, this is the household of God, isn't it? This is a caring brotherhood. This is those that care, and this is those that are willing to share. Sometimes I think maybe the reason why people don't know and can't help as much as they should, we don't share as much as we should. These are ones that are open. They, they care about if a person gets faint-hearted or if they get weak. But last but not least, the patient. Now, I don't know when that all comes to an end, but it, it does, we need a lot of patience. 
because things don't always change the way we'd like them to be. But I have a sneaky feeling that's the way God has seen most of us. I'm pretty certain that's the way he sees me. That, you know, I'm bringing all this into his life, and I want to get his attention. And you know what he is? He's blaming others. You know, he said that ugly word, like we heard in the children's meeting. You know, you shouldn't do that. He said, be patient. He's been patient. Seeing that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. And I love that because in our lives as brothers and sisters in the Lord, if we would always pursue what is good and what is holy, what is righteous, not just for myself, but for everyone, okay? This is inclusive. This is brother, and I'm not just doing it my way. What I think is good for me, I'm doing what's good for we, for us. Oh, what a tremendous blessing. Another thought that is in this environment, and I tell you, friends, when people share in an open and caring and praying way we should, it brings security. There's a lot of security knowing that if I'm the faint-hearted, if I'm the weak, and God help us if I'm the unruly, but you know what? When I don't submit to agreed brotherhood agreements, I don't know what that is called, but it's something in there, disobedience and Roy or something. You know, and so sometimes we need to be warned, warned and Roy. I thank God that our forefathers seen fit to make doctrine ethical to our lives. It wasn't just Nice phraseology. It's holy living. I thank God for that. And I thank God that they've written up manual standards and brotherhood agreements that we that when we join the church, we agree to support. I thank God for that. God is blessed when we pursue what is good for us and for all. And I would say that would mean being a real warrior for the Lord, being truly dedicated and committed to God, you know, being in the Word, loving Jesus first and foremost, and our brotherhoods, really caring about them, having a real heart, being a heart for people that doesn't subvert God, but it, it just amplifies. It's just a manifestation of God's working in our lives. And then when we do that, we're going to love the standards of our church. We're going to, we're going to enjoy those. Now, okay, I'll read another verse. Jude, uh, verse 3. It says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write unto you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all once for all delivered unto the saints. I just thank God that we should, that God's people in his church are earnestly contending for the faith. We stand up for what is right. We care about truth. We care about holiness. We care about honesty. We care about integrity. We care about love. We care about uh, loving each other and showing your light. And so we care about those things. And we care about us being faithful to God and his calling on our life and being faithful to the brother, to the commitments that we've made. We care about those things. Yeah. The church is where you get spiritual strength to contend for the faith. We come here for refueling. Okay, we do that. We got refueling. You know, I'm going to care. 
And I'm going to care about the faith. I'm going to care about the practice that shows my faith. I'm going to care about that. I appreciate my forefathers, what they stood for. And so many times I'm tempted. I've been tempted, and I think some others have too, to specialize in what we don't agree with. I've been tempted to do that, and I've heard other people. I think we ought to specialize in what we do agree with. Because, you know, really, it was good, and God never said you will ever understand everything you need to know. In fact, many, no wonder Ephesians 5.1 says submitting, just plain, short, and sweet, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I think every believer is going to shine like Jesus wants him to shine. It's going to radiate in humility. It's going to be a blessing to the kingdom of God the way it should be. It's going to have to understand that verse from the bottom of his heart. Where it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Tell your friends, it starts with your underservants. And it continues all through the brotherhood. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Didn't say you had to understand it. I didn't say that. There's a lot of spiritual things we don't understand. It says we're going to do it because it's right. It's good for me and it's good for us. What a blessing, I tell you. Then, we can say and we can feel and we can be blessed by the verse in First Corinthians 1, verses 9 and 10. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Friends, if we do what we heard this morning, we're, we're going to be doing that to a large degree. Speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, same discernment. How can that happen? We listen. And we care about each other, and we're listening to them. We're submitting to them where we need to grow. Then we can be thriving Christians in the body of Christ. I search where I belong. God bless you in experiencing that.